Around the world, they drink this beverage in its many exotic forms. Half coffee and half hot milk. I praise the Lord and keep the faith. Sipping my macchiato, gotta get my cream up. I do this for Christ, boy. This ain't for the culture. Believe the scripture. Thank you for tuning in to Macchiato's Music and the Scriptures. I'm your host, Martinez. Please make sure you subscribe to these podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember, you can send your emails to podcasting at mmsmedia.org. If you'd like to follow me on social media, remember that you can follow me at mbills314. Now, as you all know, lately I have been doing some interviews. I've been bringing on different guests because I'm trying to, you know, expand my range a little bit. You know, instead of me just kind of just talking to you solo, I'm deciding that I want to bring on some guests and I want to interview some some very important people, some people that God has been doing uh, marvelous things through. And today it gets even better. And so today I have on some amazing authors. I have on Dave and Nita Jackson. They're our husband and wife writing team. Together they have co-wrote more than 120 books, including the one that we're going to talk about today, which is entitled Heroes in Black History, True Stories from the Lives of Christian Heroes. Now, they are also full-time authors whose talent to work on the best-selling Trailblazer books has earned them numerous awards as well as worldwide acclaim. They bring their gifts for meticulous historical research and carefully crafted stories to the pages of the book that we're talking about today, which is Heroes in Black History. Please welcome to the podcast, Dave and Nita Jackson. How are you all doing? Very good. Thank you, Martinez. Yeah. Great to be here. Thanks for having us. Oh, no problem. I thank you for um, accepting my invitation. This book, let me tell you about this just brief history. I came across this book, I believe when it first came out, I believe it's 2008. Is that correct? Uh, Sounds about right. Sounds about yeah. right. Okay. And at that time I was, um, I was working at a local Christian bookstore, which at that time it was family Christian bookstores. And it was during Black History Month and they had like a lot of different black history things at that particular bookstore for Black History Month. And this book was up there and it was say it was uh, for five dollars. And they say, hey, for this month, you can get this book, Heroes in Black History for five dollars. And one of my friends who was in there, they ended up purchasing the book before I did. And um, we always heard about some things about George Washington Carver that I thought was just phenomenal. And this book not only brings out different things about George Washington Carver that I never knew, but it also highlights, I believe, 14 other or 13 other individuals that some of us may know and some of us may not know. And I came across a lot of people that I did not know. Um, it's not the traditional black inventors and and great men and women of God that have done extraordinary things, but you all kind of bring out some, at least new to me. I can say new to me. I can't say new to everyone else, but at least these individuals were new to me. But these are some very, very powerful, powerful stories. But before we get into the book, and I was told that um, you guys have been married for over 50 years. Is that correct? That's right. This will be 56, I think. 56. <laughs> Look, Dave said I can't. I can't keep up. It's it's, it's somewhere up there. That's <laughs> thing beyond me. Wow, <laughs> over fifty years. That that's amazing. That's that's. I, I mean, I can't even fathom that. Now I've been married now for uh, going on six years. So 
I have a ways to go. There you go. But I'm believing God. That I'm, I'm going to. You're on the road. Yes, sir. But I'm believing I'm 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 gonna stay on the road and, and get to where you guys are. So if you all don't mind telling us, how did you all meet? Oh well. <laughs> We both remember it differently. Yeah, gotcha. that's right. I understand. I understand. Now, if, you, if you're talking about how we first met, well, yes. we we were both students at uh, what is now Multnomah University in Portland, Oregon. Um, it, it, it's a Bible school and now university. I first remember seeing Dave. It was early, early in the fall, and I hadn't gotten to know very many people. And some friends from my high school showed up, and so we went for a ride. And when we came back, we had a fender bender mm. right at the gate to the college. Wow. And and several people, you know, several guys especially ran out of the dorm to see what that crash was about. Mm -hmm. And and uh, my friend who was at the wheel said, get the name of that tall guy over there uh, in case I need a witness about what happened. So I asked around and his name was Dave Jackson. Mm. And that's all I remember at the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, I first remember Nita was we were both taking uh, a life-saving course, a, a swimming course, mm -hmm. at, at, to get our life-saving licenses. Uh, and um, at the, in the fall, they took us down to uh, the Willamette River, where we did canoe uh, training. Mm -hmm. So we would swamp our canoes, get in and out of the canoes, you know, so we could be safe. Yeah. And on the way back, I was sitting in the back of the bus with some other guys telling these really stupid jokes. Spooping mm -hmm. off. Yeah. And uh, so I told one and everybody laughed a little bit. It was a pretty lame joke, I'll tell you that. Okay. <laughs> and uh, then all of a sudden, you know, like 10 seconds later, this girl sitting near the front just started laughing and fell out of her seat onto the floor. Uh -huh. <laughs> That's the first thing I remember about her. Wow. <laughs> No, yeah. but it, it it took a while. It took a while but before that, we got to. Anyway, we met in college, and yeah. okay. um, and I never and I never gave up. Wow. <laughs> so were you all in the same um in the same class? Like were you all both freshmen yeah. or same year? We were both freshmen. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's beautiful. You all met in college and met in Bible school, so. That's amazing. I'm glad to hear that story. And it's it's like that too, a husband and wife. The husband remembers it one way and it seems like the wife remembers it another way, but they all come together as one story. And I think that's great. Um, so with that being said, how did you both um, discover that you all had a passion for writing? I guess we can start there. Well, we have different stories there too. <laughs> <laughs> I actually... Um, I actually was headed for Wheaton College, but I, several of my classmates, uh, I went to a Christian school and several of my classmates were headed to Multnomah mm -hmm. and it was closer to home because uh, I lived in Seattle, Multnomah is in Portland. Mm -hmm. So I thought, you know, one year closer to home would be great and then I'll transfer. So I went to uh, Multnomah, but before that, um, I, I was a kid with a very active imagination. I had, we lived on the campus of a, of, of a Christian school and my parents were, were both teachers there and uh, we couldn't have any animals. And, and I was 
horse crazy and dog crazy and cat crazy. I was animal crazy and couldn't have pets. So I decided to write stories about them. Hmm. Well, I just kept write. I kept writing stories. They're just more for myself. But uh, in high school, my English teacher took one of my stories and submitted it to Scholastic magazine, uh, which was a, a yearly contest for high school students. Mm-hmm. And it's a nationwide magazine, and it won first place in the short story contest. Wow! And my eyes went open, and I thought maybe I could be a writer. Hmm. So uh, I had prize money, and I bought a typewriter. Uh, <laughs> yeah, a typewriter. Wow! Yeah, I haven't heard that. A typewriter, <laughs> right? And so I actually marched off to college wanting to be a writer, but. Dave has a different story. Yeah. Well, I mostly grew up in California, uh-huh. and I was a slow reader and a poor speller. So hmm. even though I liked a good story, I never imagined that I could be a writer. I thought I was going to be a chemistry teacher. Okay. Uh, so, uh, but when I got to Multnomah, a bunch of my friends said, "Hey, as a student activity, why don't you why don't you join?" The newspaper staff. Mm-hmm. So I did it just to kind of hang out with some friends, mm-hmm. and it turned out that 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 uh, to, in order to work on the newspaper, you had to take journalism. Mm-hmm. The journalism teacher, the advisor, was such a dynamic teacher that he hooked me. Hmm. And even though, and I actually became the, the the editor of the newspaper. And but you know every issue that came out, he would put it on the bulletin board and have all these red marks about my mistakes. Mm-hmm. But I still loved it. And uh, you switched your. Uh... I switched my my plans, <laughs> and Nina actually then second year went went back to Wheaton. So we were two thousand miles apart, wow. and we kind of joked. We we learned how to write by. With by love letters for love le- for three years. <laughs> yeah, I can I can see how God will use that. Yeah, your your, your love for each other and your writing. Yeah, I can see that. Wow. Yeah. So he became a. He I became a journalist, journalist major paper. and and began we can began working in Christian publishing. Okay. Uh, not too long before we got out of college and got married. Wow. So isn't it interesting just how desires and passions just come to you? You know, it's something that's been in you for years, but sometimes it takes a situation to kind of draw it out of you. And I have a daughter, I have a daughter that's 17. I have a four year old and the 17 year old, she's she's a senior in high school. And I was, you know, telling her that, you know, once high school ends, that's when real life begins. I always that's just always been my belief. Once high school is over now you this is like the real thing and so me and her was talking it was talking about things that she wants to do and it's like you know any teenager kind of you know i want to do this i did want to do that my thing was as i was always told when i was a youth my pastor used to say do what you like to do until god tell you what you're supposed to do and well that's great i've always that was just something that i took and and when he said that and i did it he he was right you know because you got to get busy doing something and I told her that. So she wants to take up law enforcement because she does love law and different things like that. And I told her, I said, in five years, that could change. I said, in the next year, that could change, but I want you to focus on doing something. And it can, you all guys just kind of prove that out that, you know, you know, you all went to college and um, well, this happened in high school. Something came about, you were doing something effortlessly and then kind of find out like, huh, I think this is, 
I think I like this. So yeah, yeah. But it was a part of God's plan the whole time. But I just think that's amazing how you guys just came about and then you all are married as well. But your passions, you know, they came at a time when you all wasn't married. You all were still single. So, you know, it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't like you all got married and then discovered it. This happened before then. So I think that's amazing. Go and ahead. the real gift to us, Martinez, is mm-hmm. that we came at writing from different perspectives. Dave was a journalism major. I was just a create a English creative writing major. Mm-hmm. And so uh, when we began to team up with our writing, uh, we brought different strengths uh, that really helped each other, mm-hmm. you know. And yeah. and so that we we realized that uh, God had a very clever plan to put us together. <laughs> that we needed each other. Yes, we needed each other's gift. That's amazing. I love that story. And since we're talking about writing, let us now talk about the book that we're here to discuss okay. today. Seeing that it's Black History Month and that, you know, uh, our country in the month of February, we take time out to acknowledge black history and a lot of things that black people have done in this country and just around the world from inventions to many different things. What I guess I can say what sparked an interest in you all wanting to write a book on black history or particularly black history, but kind of exploring the believers within that. Mm-hmm. Like, how did that happen? Like, what what sparked that interest? Or has it always been interest? Well, when we were in college, and shortly thereafter, it was the middle of the civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. And so we um, we got very involved in that. Actually, Nita's can say a little bit more about that. Mm-hmm. But after we got married, we lived in Portland, Oregon mm-hmm. for a while, almost a year. And we were part of an African-American church there. We chose to go to that. Just as part of our learning. Mm-hmm. And when we moved back to Chicago, we joined. Um, well, why don't you tell about that situation? Well, um, yeah, when I was uh, going to Wheaton, which was outside of Chicago, mm-hmm. um, my my sister and her husband, um, he was a he was a minister and, and he was part of a parish uh, that that put black and white ministers together in in churches. Mm-hmm. And and so I began attending uh, a little storefront church on Chicago's west side called uh, Faith Community Church. And it was my first real experience of church that totally on my own, rather than just going to the church that my parents went to or just going to the churches mm-hmm. in the denomination I was used to. And it was a life-changing experience. So when Dave and I came back to Chicago, we we returned there, mm-hmm. uh, even though my my brother-in-law had been sent to another church mm-hmm. uh, in another city. And and so um, you know, I think a lot of our experiences there and in other churches taught us deeply. Um, some things about African-American faith and culture mm-hmm. and that there is a certain kind of strength that we have needed over the years um, and that the African-American experience, because it's a corporate experience, mm-hmm. it's like most everybody knows what you're talking about when, when things come up. Mm-hmm. 
it's a it's a, a, an experience of people who have together made it through, mm-hmm. and that is a, a a powerful learning experience. They made it through because they knew how to hold on to God's almighty hand, mm-hmm. and. Some of us don't know how to do that. We may know all about the Bible. Yeah. We know may all know all about all, Jesus and mm-hmm. church and everything else. But if you don't know how to hold on to God's almighty hand, That's right. you're going to go down. Yeah. You're absolutely right. <laughs> and the other thing is, is that at one point in our writing career, we got very interested in um, doing historical fiction about great Christian heroes, mm-hmm. and um, and we wrote a series of of books uh, about uh, historical fiction, trying to make them really interesting for kids to introduce them to uh, a whole a whole array of people from all over the world who served who served the Lord in different ways. As missionaries, social reformers, uh, you know, different things. Um, but we also felt like um, that as white people, there were, as you mentioned, a lot of, you know, they they learn about the the usual ones that are taught in school. Maybe Harriet Tubman, maybe mm-hmm. uh, Washington Carver, or Martin Luther King. Mm-hmm. But in in our research, we came we began coming across people, amazing people, mm-hmm. and so we felt like that deserved a book all of its own um, uh, to to really highlight just how God many times uses what might appear to be just ordinary people to do extraordinary things, mm-hmm. and um, absolutely. So it was hard to stop with 15 <laughs> because yeah, yeah. there's a lot more that we could have put in. And, and you know, we're still le- we're still learning. There's a whole lot that we. Uh-huh. The last few years, I've learned a lot about African American history that I never knew. Mm. I just keep on learning more. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it's unfortunate that our that our educational our, our educational history mm-hmm. did not really. Highlight a lot of things. A lot of important things that we should know. I agree. I know quite a few of the individuals in here, but like I didn't know about like um, Charles Albert Tinley. Yeah. Preacher. Like just just you all just the people that you brought out in here. I, I thought it was it was so amazing that I had to bring you all on just to discuss this book and what inspired this, because. Um, I mean, I've told my family about it. I've told friends about it. Like I said, this book has been out, you know, a little over 10 years, but I I still don't think a lot of people even know the gist of it. You know what I'm saying? Because it's just, it's so much in here. And I really wanted to highlight these individuals. Now, how long did it take you all to put this book together? Like with your research and everything, how long did it take you to actually say, you know, we're going to put this together and combine this as one book? Wow. Um, boy, I'm not sure I remember. Now, this is part of a series uh, that we called Hero Tales. There were four books before this that okay. that had a variety of people. And some of the people in this book mm-hmm. uh, were scattered throughout. But we pulled those out and added more um, 
to to make this particular to this collect particular them all book. together after the, the for the black experience, mm, right? Okay. And so we had some of them. I would say maybe half of them that uh, we'd already we'd, that already, we'd already included to know and and research. And some of the people in here are the primary characters in some of our Trailblazer books, which are the okay. historical fiction for kids. Mm-hmm. So we had done a lot of research for for many of them that way before we decided, hey, let's do this for make a whole book about it. <laughs> so we're not really answering your question. I can't remember how long it. <laughs> well, well, you kind of answered it. I mean, you didn't. It took more than a year. It took yeah, seven oh yeah, years. all together. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, oh yeah, 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 for sure. So, like you said, you all highlight fifteen individuals in this book now. <clears throat> Out of all the individuals that you wrote on in this book, um, is there a story in particular that stood out as you were doing your research that you just sat back and was like, wow? <laughs> you want to go first? Yeah, I, I think I think I enjoyed a lot studying about William Seymour. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't necessarily come from a Pentecostal background, mm-hmm. but I was very impressed by his um, his experience and the the kind of way, first of all, the kind of prejudice and uh, racism that he dealt with when he wanted to learn about God, when he wanted to get a, a religious education and he wasn't even allowed to come into the classroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had to sit out in the hallway at school and just listen to to the lectures and so forth. And yet he had a heart to, to know the Lord and mm-hmm. to know the scriptures more deeply. So he stayed with it until he got his education. And, and then um, he was he was the person who that began what was known as um, the beginning of the Pentecostal revival, revival in 1906. Azusa Street. In, yeah, Azusa Street. Street in the Los Angeles area, and a lot of very remarkable things happened around that. But one of the things that he said, a lot of people forget this. They think that 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 the Pentecostal revival was primarily characterized by speaking in tongues and miracles and things like that, of which that was that were true. Mm-hmm. But he considered the most important thing. The, the most important evidence of the Holy Spirit was that people from different colors, cultures, and races could come together in love. That was the the crowning thing. He said that was like what happened at Pentecost in the New Testament. It was people from all over that didn't couldn't even speak the same language. Yeah. They came together, and God made a church out of them. Yeah. And uh, I thought, yeah, that's that's more that's more powerful than than speaking in tongues it or is. something. Else or, yeah, it says or, that in 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 First uh, Corinthians thirteen. It says if I speak in tongues, if I you know do all these different things, and it ends, he ends it and says, but if I don't have love, I have nothing. That's right. So it doesn't matter. Right. Right. It doesn't matter. You perform miracles or whatever. If you don't have love, you have nothing. Yep. So, and then the scripture also says that if you um, love, you fulfill the whole law. So, so love, yeah. you know, it's, I mean, God says you will know, they will know that you are my disciples indeed because of the love you have for one another. So love yeah. 
I mean, can't, I mean, it's, it's just, it's evident. So what yeah. uh, brother William Seymour said, he was exactly right. And he knew that in his heart, you know, it's just a shame yeah. that, um, you know, more of our, um, other counterparts didn't look at the scriptures and say, you know what, the things, how we're operating, what we're doing, we're, we're wrong. Like we're going against the will yeah. of God, yeah. regardless of yeah. how we were taught, like this is wrong. So I just wish yeah. that, you know, back in those days, somebody would have woke up with the revelation and said, <laughs> okay, we need to stop this and we need to stop it right now. So yeah. you're yeah. exactly right. One of the, the, the person that just fascinated me so much mm -hmm. What is uh, Mary McLeod Bethune? Mm. Um, I had never heard of her before, um, but I come from a teaching family, you know, a family of teachers. Mm. And so the fact that she was a teacher um, interested me right off the bat. Uh, yeah, she she wanted to be a missionary, but was told that uh, they had no positions for uh, uh, any. African American missionaries to go to Africa, which she was so deeply disappointed. But instead, she um, she followed the, the the train lines that were being built to um, to Florida and started a school for the workers of, of who were building the train tracks and everything. Mm -hmm. And uh, she started a little school with just five five little girls which eventually became Bethune-Cookman College, which is it still going on in Daytona, Florida. Oh, we actually got to visit it. Yeah, yeah, that was really. Wow. But she was just amazing. Um, she had to deal with the Ku Klux Klan, mm -hmm. and she, <laughs> but she didn't let anything stop her. And and uh, she had three, three, um, focuses on, on what she wanted. She said that her head, she wanted to teach the head, the hands, and the heart. Mm. And by that, she meant a, a classical education. Um, that was the head. The hands was very practical things. She taught her students very practical things that they could, you know, make a living with. And then the heart was the, was the spiritual things. Mm. And um, she had a sign over the school door that said enter to learn mm -hmm. and then on the other side of the door as the students went out it said depart to serve mm. anyway she's awesome and what was her name again mary mcleod bethune yeah so i'm yeah that's powerful touching and powerful you know, she didn't let anything stop her. She had a heart for God, heart and wanting to know who the Lord was and wanting to learn his word. And regardless of the situations at that time, she decided, you know what, I'm I'm going to find out about it anyway. <laughs> I'm just going to do it my way. So I love yeah. that. So when you all wrote this book, um, what kind of feedback did you get when, we, when this book initially came out? Like positive, negative? I mean, sometimes in, in some weird ways, when you're doing a positive thing, somehow you get negative feedback in some things. So I wouldn't even be shocked at that. But what kind of yeah. feedback did you get when this book was released? Well, I, I don't think we, I, I don't remember any negative feedback, no. which was, no. uh, you know, a gift. Good. We, we heard from uh, homeschoolers mm -hmm. and, and people in churches who used it. And I think, I think the thing that stood out for people so much was the structure that we use yes. in the book. We, yes. we, we, mm -hmm. <laughs> no, you yeah, we, we 
we first of all had a short biography of, of the person, but then we focused on three stories for each person. Um, some dramatic, small event, or sometimes it was a large event. Yes. But we chose we chose stories to tell that revealed character qualities mm-hmm. for each each person. It might be compassion. It might be perseverance. It might be patience. So all through the book, uh, we we focused on character qualities, yeah. and which turned out to be a great teaching tool um, in in Sunday school classes, in in homeschools, or for family devotions. I think that was the main main one of the main things that that the feedback that we got about how we had organized the book. Yeah, it was. And then you wanted. Yeah, to- there there was a. Actually, he's a he's a friend of ours, Ed Ed Galbraith. He's mm-hmm. he's an African American author and has been a, a editor. He worked for uh, University, and now he's at he's at Christianity, Christianity Today. Today now. Mm-hmm. Um, he went to the same college I did after Multnomah. I graduated from Judson, so he was there. We weren't there together, but we got to know him. Mm-hmm. And one one of the things that he said about this book in a review that he did of it was he pointed out how in so many cases the stories that we told about people uh they may have been about people who were somewhat familiar uh but people didn't know how much their faith inspired them Mm. so somebody i think you even mentioned this earlier on somebody even as familiar as george washington carver was not you, you seldom learned about how his faith was the thing that kind of actually uh, guided him and helped him yeah. do what he needed to do. Or, or a lot of times, it, it, I mean, people know a little bit more about Martin Luther King's mm-hmm. faith because he worked as, you know, right from the yes. church. Mm-hmm. But there are a lot of other people who uh, that, did, that didn't come up uh, in any in any public or secular education their um, their their spiritual foundation didn't come out yeah and um i don't know if you all realize this or not but just even how the book is structured you can tell that this was the holy spirit that inspired it now whether you knew it at the time that you were putting it together you may have just thought like hey this is just a passion we love the information that we're learning we want to put it in the book but how it's structured like you said how you have all the different quality points from dignity to diligence to submission to service you go through all these different things and all these character traits of these individuals and then you have the scripture for each story and then you have talking points you know you have the uh, you cause the reader to think about certain events that happen and what we just read. And I think more, I think this book needs to be in every school, every public school, um, especially it needs to be in every private school, but particularly it needs to be in every public school. Uh, hopefully in the future, in the soon future, every public school will have a black history course, a class that you have to take. You have your modern history and then you have to yep. take black history you know focus in on that i just think it's amazing and that's why i really wanted you guys to really come on here and really discuss this book again the name of the book that we're speaking of uh, is called heroes in black history true stories from the lives of christian heroes and i'm sitting here with dave and nita jackson lastly well i think i may have two questions 
I've been getting this a lot lately, especially particularly this year. I'm not sure why, but um, I've been noticing a lot of white people or people just aren't black, whether if it's Hispanic or whatever have you. When it comes to black history and a lot of things that are being brought out and primarily a lot of these individuals are younger, they say, well, you know, why is there a black history month or, or why are you focusing in on what black people have done if we were to focus on what white people have done or what you know mexican people have done you know we would be called racist so how would you respond to that if someone was to say hey why would you write a book on black history like what's the difference like because some people just don't understand and sometimes i'm kind of exhausted of even trying to explain it so i kind of just let them have it but what would you say with people who may say that like why focus on black history why not white history or some other history like why is this important some people don't even think it should even be a month they think the month is racist like why have a black history month what would you all say to that i know through your well, curveball wasn't on the list but i just thought no that. no that's all, right. <laughs> that's all right i would say the day may come may god let it come when we can have just history that's that's faithfully mm-hmm. and equally equally presented yes but i did not grow up understanding the tremendous contributions of african americans in this country mm-hmm. i did not know i did not understand the the economics of how this country wealth was accumulated mm-hmm. i mean i knew about slavery right. but i didn't understand the significance yes. of that mm-hmm. so I, i did not i did not have a comprehension of what racism was. Mm-hmm. I thought racism was just not having, uh, I thought racism was having two drinking fountains, one for whites and one for black, yeah. or the Ku Klux Klan. Mm-hmm. That's that's kind of the extent of what I thought racism was. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how, uh, how it has permeated all of our structures and systems. Systemic. Mm-hmm. So part, mm-hmm. part of understanding history and being re-educated, yeah. brought up to speed mm-hmm. about what African-Americans have contributed is a way to rectify the wrong that has been neglected. I mean, what has been neglected. Mm-hmm. So that's why I said maybe the day will come when that's not necessary. But right now, mm-hmm. I'm still, there's still a lot of stuff I have not learned and I'm learning regularly and and rejoice in learning mm-hmm. not resist right mm-hmm. right i need to rejoice in it not resist it right. because it's there are painful parts there are places where i have to repent mm-hmm. and say yeah my, those are my white people that did that mm-hmm. i am truly mm-hmm. i am truly repent and sorry of that mm-hmm. and it, that's god's gift to me to be able to have the strength mm-hmm. and the insight to ex- acknowledge you know nehemiah and and ezra mm-hmm. they all prayed prayers mm-hmm. for forgiveness for things that they hadn't personally done, done but yes. their people had done yeah. yes and that's what jesus does for us mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he took there he re- recognized that you know so I, why can't i do that mm-hmm. and it's, it's important i i absolutely agree Absolutely. That I can be Jesus, but that I can take an attitude of of, yeah. of yeah. owning what I'm what I'm still benefiting from, uh, you know, uh, privileges that are not equally shared. Yeah, and 
Um, believe it or not, it's not only you that's still learning. A lot of black people are still learning because a lot of things have been hidden over the years. You almost have to like dig for it. You know, um, I just found out probably I found out this year, actually, that the card game, I'm not sure if you're all familiar with it, but the card game phase 10, you ever heard of that game? Yeah. Yeah. yeah a black man created that. How about that? We we have it. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I just found that. Okay, out. So we learned something. Yes. <laughs> so I learned that this year. Also learned probably five years ago. I know back in the early '90s we used to play with the uh, super soakers. You know, that was yeah. created by a black man. Didn't know. Yeah. You know, so I just yeah. think just yeah. so many different things over the years. For some reason, was just it's like they're trying to tuck the information away. You know, but like you said, yeah. it's you know it's information that we all need to learn and so that's why i tell people that's the significance of black history because a lot of things that we enjoy today you know things were just hidden and so when it comes out in the open like oh ice cream scooper yeah black man created that wait what you know so it's 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 amazing just all the things that have been coming out and are continuing to come out and uh i just pray that people will go out and purchase your book i mean this book could people can purchase this book wherever books are sold is that correct I know Amazon and yeah. Barnes and Nobles. Yeah, yeah, they can get it anywhere. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. If 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 a bookstore doesn't have it, for instance, mm-hmm. uh, you can you can ask for it and they can they can order, they can order, it. order yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. And also, like I said earlier, Dave and Nita Jackson, they both wrote, co-wrote over 120 books. And those books can be purchased from your website. Is that correct? That's true. We actually have two websites that people can go to. Okay, go ahead. One is called DaveNita.com. Mm-hmm. And that includes most of our books that are targeted towards adults. Mm-hmm. And the other one is called TrailblazerBooks.com. Okay. And that's... Uh, geared more toward young people and families. The Trailblazers is geared more. Yeah, okay. Trailblazer Books. Okay. It has, yeah, Trailblazer Books, all one word, dot com. Yeah. Awesome. So, and lastly, I will end it on this note. Seeing that you all have been married for over 50 years, what advice would you give to people like myself? What makes a marriage last? And you're by, based off your experience and different things like that. What is the key to a lasting marriage? If I can reword it correctly, what is the key to a lasting marriage or keys? If there's more than one. That's important. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I don't think there's just one thing. Yeah. We- well, one of the things is is commitment. That I think you have to go into it saying, you know, by God's grace, mm-hmm. we're going to stick it to out. Now that doesn't, that's not a judgment about people who have, have not been able right. to maintain it, but it's a good way to start. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. And, and we recognize that, that uh, we haven't experienced some of the difficulties that, that other couples have. So, you know, it's not a judgment on, on, on people, you know, who, who, didn't make it, you know, the whole way. But for me, um, one thing that's been really important has been, um, well, one of the first things I had to learn Mm -hmm. was communicating my, communicating my expectations Mm. (laughs) because I had these private expectations of what maybe a husband should do, but I didn't tell him, Uh you know, so if he, if he didn't do them, then I would, I would get upset, you know, mm-hmm. and he had no clue. So we had to learn 
you know, good communication skills and and um, but the other one that I just I just really thought about this today because you 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 sent us some questions mm-hmm. and I think being able to pray together mm. has been very important for Dave and me yeah. because even even when we're disagreeing about something mm-hmm. um, which does happen you know we mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> we don't think <laughs> right. about everything mm-hmm. um, but but really being able to say okay we're, we're going to pray about this we're going to ask the Lord to to give us some insight, you know, have the Holy Spirit work on us, mm-hmm. um, or just even commit all our concerns about our kids or our grandkids or other other family members. Um, that's that's been a very very unifying thing. Yes, if they're not not going to bed angry, yeah, have a very low tolerance level for staying angry. <laughs> I think both of us are that way. Yeah. you know, we just. We just are miserable when we're angry, mm-hmm. and we just—it's it, not a place we want to stay. And it's so, not a good feeling. Was, I don't think nobody likes it. At least they should. Good feeling. <laughs> I know it's not a good feeling for anybody. Yeah. But to to just say, okay, that's that's God helping me. Say we gotta bring this to an end. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And I think another another thing um, is that early on, you know. You have to learn to fight fair, and and that means that your basic your basic attitude towards your spouse should be to build each other up, not tear each other down. Yes. So, um, and I and I think that has to be true for both spouses, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so we look for ways to. To you know, well, I said it. Build each other up yeah, rather, rather than rather than tear them down. That's not false uh, flattery. Flatter. That's not false flattery. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's oh, I and I think I think one of the things, maybe a final one, is you have to really like each other. Yeah. Oh, you like me? Yeah, dude. <laughs> That's true. Now I hear that a lot. That it's one thing to love someone, but you also should like them. You know, because yeah. you know people say, well, you know, love and um, you know, because everyone genuinely loves someone. But a lot of people, and I've been told that you know, I've heard of husband and wives that have been married for years and they sleep in separate rooms, and they say, well, yeah. I love her, but I don't, I don't like her very much. I've heard that before. You know, yeah. So that's it was profound when I heard it. I didn't know how true it was, but I keep hearing it over the years that it's very important that you like your mate as well as love them. You know, same as you did in the beginning. You want to keep that going now. So I love that. Well, um, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Jackson, I appreciate you all for um, coming on to the podcast, discussing your book, Heroes in Black History. Remember, everyone, you all can get Heroes in Black History, the true stories from the lives of Christian heroes, anywhere books are sold. So I want to thank you all again for coming on to the podcast. I really, really do appreciate it. And thank you, Martinez. Maybe we can meet face to face one of these days. I, prayerfully so. I wouldn't mind it. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in Missouri, so I'm not too far from you guys. So not too far. Not too far. Yeah, not too far. If you head to Chicago, we're right on the way. Right on the way. <laughs> now, how far are you are from Chicago? Is like an hour, two hours? Uh, yeah, no, 
two and a half hours. About two and a half hours. I'm going to take your word on that. I'm going to take you up on it. So, right. you know, yeah. I definitely love Chicago. So I'm sure we'll probably be there probably during the summer sometime. So I do appreciate you all coming on again. And I want to thank everyone for uh, tuning in to today's episode on heroes in black history. And remember these words from the Book of Romans, chapter three, verse four, latter verse. Let God be true and every man be a liar.